0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe.
2: What's up, everybody? It's an exciting time of the year for UFC 250 tomorrow night. And without a doubt, people are going to be looking to get in on the action. We have the best place for you to go. My bookie, for the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, Try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. MyBookie has more lines and better odds for the player than any other sportsbook. And if you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit two grand, you'll get an extra grand in free money to play with. All you have to do is use our promo code BLV, that's capital BLV, to activate the offer. Once again, that promo code is capital BLV to get your extra cash from MyBookie. Bet, win, Get paid. Today is Friday, June 5th, 2020, which means it is time for the Flashback Friday interview of the week presented by TickPick.com. You should have used TickPick. Notre Dame baseball outfielder Daniel Jung was kind enough to join me on the show a little while back to discuss his experiences at Notre Dame playing baseball as well as in the California Collegiate League and much more. But first, we're going to talk about a little film. And by a little film, I mean a big film, but we're going to make it worthwhile because Declan O'Hara, my little brother, has had one, two, three, four film assignments that made him do four 15-minute podcasts about Quentin Tarantino films in order to graduate high school. So we sat down with our cousin Ellie, who's also a big film enthusiast, a Tarantino enthusiast, and we talked about a Quentin Tarantino movie, probably Quentin Tarantino's best film, Pulp Fiction, released in 1994, starring Samuel L. Jackson, John Travolta, Bruce Willis, Uma Thurman, just to name a few, and if you haven't seen it, then I don't know what to tell you. Where the hell have you been? What have you been up to? It's 15 minutes on the frickin' dot, and Declan hosts this little affair by talking about our favorite scenes, most underrated characters, most underrated lines, all that, and an interview with college athlete Daniel Jung here on episode 202 presented by Belly Up Sports. Be sure to follow Belly Up Sports on the Twitter at belly-up sports, and if you're into buying tickets, probably not this time of year, but once it gets back up and running again, use the promo code OSHO10, that's capital O-S-H-O-W-10 for $10 off your next order using TickPick.com, and if you're into banging weights, eating steaks, and sleeping aids, head on over to MeccaNutritionStore.com right now by using the promo code OSHO20, that's capital O-S-H-O-W-20 for $20 off your next order. Swole's the goal, sizes is the prize. Daniel Jung on the o Show right now. <laughs>
3: All right, welcome to the 9th Street Podcast. I'm Declan O'Hara. I'm accompanied by my fantastic brother, Jack O'Hara, and my lovely cousin, Ellie McCarran. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by Mrs. Johnson's Period 3 Film Class. Title of this episode, Royale Cheese. We'll be discussing the
2: legendary Pulp Fiction. Jack? Pulp Fiction, baby. Best movie from 1994. You know what was the, the hit movie in 1994 when it came out? Any guesses, guys? Pulp Fiction? Besides Pulp Fiction.
0: Forrest Gump.
2: I feel like she looked it up beforehand. She's right. She is right. It is Forrest Gump. Run, Forrest, run, baby. It was
0: also the same year as Shawshank Redemption. It was a hell of a year for movies. Also, like, three of Jim Carrey's movies that year.
3: All righty then. All righty
2: then. So, what do you want to talk about, Deck?
3: Well, first, I, I just have this question has been on my mind all day. I just wanted to ask. I was thinking maybe Ellie would know the answer, Jack. Maybe you know the answer, but there's really only one like computer graphic in this movie that really caught my eye, and it's yes, you're 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 damn right, Ellie. It's when it's when Uma Thurman. Don't be at, a square. Don't be a square. Why do you think um, uh, Tarantino put that in there? Like, not just the motion of don't be square, but actually putting the square in the film. What effect do you guys think that had on the movie?
0: I, I don't know. Now that I'm thinking about it, I really don't know.
3: Because it's a, really a really cool scene. Unless you,
0: like... Yeah, it's super cool. If you think about, like, Kill Bill, some of that movie is animated. But it's not like the Mia Wallace scene. It's like actual animations. So I don't know. Maybe he has like a, an asphyxiation for animation and wanted to like get that out there. But honestly, I have no idea. There's nothing else like that
2: in the movie. And there's really nothing like at the time. I don't think there was anything like that in any movie. Really, nothing. And at nobody all. thought. That, well, in a real like live, it was like one of those, those like copy that. and paste things that you'd have on like your dinosaur computer too. It wasn't like an actual like cool looking white square. It had, like, all the dashes it. reminded in it. me
3: of that episode of SpongeBob, where it's it's Crab, SpongeBob, and, uh, and uh, Mrs. Puff. And SpongeBob's like, I'm not talking about this or this. I'm talking about this. <laughs> That's exactly what it reminded me of.
2: Great analogy, Declan. Thank you very much. Great analogy. What would you guys say? Here's my question. Um, most... I guess not underrated character, but the like the least likable character in this movie. This is an opinionated question, but who's your least um, likable character?
0: Fabian. Fabian. I, I can't get behind her. I don't know. Like she just she, she give me a weird vibe. And she forgot to watch. Like it's the one thing he asked her
3: to do. That scene cracks me up though. When you, when he's like, "You sure?" and she's like. No, (laughs) I'd be so pissed. I'd be so pissed. Uh, That
2: was going to be mine. Really? Fabian, to me, like, she's like, uh, first of all, she didn't get the blueberry pancakes that she promised Bruce Willis when he came back after receiving the watch. No, she got the buttermilk pancakes. Those are not the the same thing.
3: She, like, over-exaggerated how excited she was for the blueberry pancakes, too.
2: She's like, and did you, did you notice how much she ordered for that breakfast or at least how much she wanted to order? She's like, I'm going to get, like, six blueberry pancakes, five sausages. I'm like, <laughs> like, he's not going to be there. There's no way she, could, she weighed, like, 90 pounds. Most
0: people eat, like, an iced coffee for breakfast.
2: That's I like- what I'm saying. Some people are like, I'm just going to have two cups of uh, mocha cream and uh, throw some sugar on top. And I'm like, uh, that's unhealthy. Like, Throw some Cheetos on the side. I love,
3: how, I love how you both chose her as, like, the least likable character, even though she's probably the most innocent person in this entire movie. I was going to say... She I mean, sucks, though. Yeah, she... The
2: only my- good part about... Uh, Fabian, in this movie is that she set up one of the most iconic lines in the movies when she asked, who, who, whose chopper is this? No, who, whose motorcycle is this? It's not a motorcycle, baby. It's a chopper. Whose chopper is this? Zed's. Who's Zed? Zed's dead, baby.
3: Zed's dead. I was going to so say, my, oh my, I was gonna say my, least, my least favorite character was Zed. He was probably the darkest, most disgusting person ever. Yeah, Zed sucks. Zed sucks. And his other
2: guy, I don't think they ever caught. be ever caught his name. Yeah,
3: what's the other guy's name? Do you know that, Ellie? I don't. Yeah, they I never. Know. I don't think they ever say his name.
0: He sucks. Whoever. Yeah, is. they
3: both suck. They both suck.
0: Honestly, hot take. Quentin Tarantino's
2: character is a real ass. He sucks. I thought just from an acting standpoint, I think he's a bad character. I think that's
3: what makes his character great. I don't
2: even look. It probably uh, glorifies our view as it because we know he's the director and the writer and the the screenwriter for the movie. Like, we knew it was Quentin Tarantino, and we kind of, like, look at him as an actor and say, this guy sucks. But, like, I feel like for the average viewer, not knowing who he was at all, like, not knowing that he was the screenwriter behind the whole uh, thing that was Pulp Fiction, people would be like, this guy's a shitty actor
0: he's even worse than reservoir dogs if you go back and watch strictly
2: Quentin. oh yeah there's a reason why he's only in the beginning he's he's like he's like the beginning he's like the first five minutes of dialogue telling that story at, at the coffee table and then there's his death scene like an hour in and that's it right
0: yeah
2: yes who would you guys say is the best character who's who's the most uh underrated character okay I'm, I'm Yes. Okay. So Jules, obviously, I was talking more the, along the lines of like one of those guys that was just like underneath the radar, like one of those guys that came in for like a brief period of time that you're like, that guy's a great character.
0: Absolutely, the wolf. Like no argument there. The wolf is he wins most underrated
3: character. I don't think Pretty so. Pretty think carry I on top. You. I think I. Ha- I think I have
2: you beat. The gimp. Really? The gimp. Oh See. My God. <laughs> I was going to say Lance, the, the heroin dealer. No,
3: uh, Lance is awesome, though. I was just joking when I said the gimp, obviously, but I, I, I think I can second you there, Jack. The uh, Lance is hilarious. Lance
0: is really good. Lance, the scene where he's on the phone with him, and he's like, wait, is this on a cell phone? And he's like, it's a prank call. Like, ah. that is so I don't cool. know you. That's strictly, like, of that era. Like, you can't. Like, that's not a thing nowadays. It's so 1994
2: that it's funny. And they're fighting over the adrenaline pen. He's like, I'm not going to do it. You're going to do it. He's like, I've never done it before. I've never, well, done, I,
3: it before. I've never yeah, done, done it before. He still either. has
2: an adrenaline pen in his fridge. But he, ha-
1: hey, he, had,
3: Wait, the, like, he had the adrenaline like shot just in case.
0: Three minutes, answer the phone from Drew.
2: That's what I was saying when I was watching. I'm like, he's been eating his cereal for, like, the better part of the last 60 seconds, and the phone is still ringing.
3: I've never seen, like, someone have, like, a less, like less sense of, uh, of urgency for anything.
0: <laughs> yes.
2: Can we, can we talk about that whole scene? I guess that whole kind of section of the movie, probably the most uh, famous part, at least my favorite part of the entire movie, of course, when they're at uh, the diner, of course, John Travolta um, and uh, Uma Thurman with Vincent Vega and um, Mia Wallace. Um, the amount of drugs used in that whole scenario... First of all, he shoots up heroin when he's driving to go pick her up. Like, how, how is he even functioning I don't know a, how he's a, even a, driving. A,
3: and a then vehicle. once he gets there over the intercom, she tells him to make a drink. He makes a drink, starts drinking. She comes out and she goes, let's go. And next thing you know, he's driving to the restaurant. How?
2: How? I think she, I think she snorted some Coke before then too. Yeah, she did a line of Coke there and then when they got there in the bathroom. And then they were both smoking weed while they were eating dinner. 1994,
3: man. 1994 was a crazy year.
2: My favorite part of that entire sequence was when she's like, I'll be down uh, between two, what was it, two?
3: I'll be da- uh,
2: b- uh, faster than the shake of two la- lambs tails uh, or Ellie, like we're going to need your help. What's I the line?
0: The shake of lambs tails, I think. Yeah, I was right.
3: I'll be yeah, down right. faster than the shake of two lambs tails or something like that.
2: Something along those lines and then he just presses the button, he's like, Okay. Yeah, that's,
3: that's so funny. <laughs> he's so odd. He, he walks into the room, he's like, Where's the
2: intercom? <laughs> uh what is the best scene? Or I guess we I guess we could say best scenes. We kinda just talked about the whole uh we were alluding to it last night because we tried this podcast last night and it didn't go so well. Yeah, Miss Johnson, this was a disaster last night. You have no idea. It was yeah. so bad. <laughs> Uh, practice makes perfect The way you practice is the way you play We did not practice and we did not perform well last night However, Ellie alluded to it How they uh, were, of course they were dancing At the diner Because uh, she wanted to win the, the, the competition And the trophy And it comes, and it, I guess Ellie picked up on this After watching it for the and eleventh time that uh, they stole it because I think it was when Bruce Willis was trying to break in back into his old apartment to get the watch is when he passed one of the windows and you hear it uh, over someone's radio, right?
0: Yeah, it's like like an ad or like a, yeah, I guess a radio ad when he's driving back to get his watch and Jack Rabbit Slim's, like, the the diner comes over the radio and is like, hey, we lost our trophy, like, for our dance competition. That's so
3: funny and, like, that must have been, like, your... Like, realistically, like, what, like, 12th time seeing the movie, and that was the first time you picked up on that?
0: I feel, honestly, like, 12 is an understatement, Wow, unfortunately <laughs> for me, but yeah, after, I've seen it, oh my god, too many times to count, that I, I don't pick up on new things anymore, but I was watching it the other day, and I was like, wow. I've I've never noticed this. This is sick.
2: Do you know... uh, Can you recall any other new things that you picked up on when watching it over and over again?
0: Convertible. That um, John Travolta drives was actually Quentin Tarantino's car from 94. And after they finished filming, it was stolen on set. And it turned up like 20 years later.
3: I feel like I've heard that before. That's amazing.
0: L.A. found his car. And we're like, hey... This is Tarantino's car.
3: I never knew that.
0: Yeah, there's some fun stuff. And um, the, the iconic wallet, Jules' wallet, um, from the diner scene, it says, it's, there's some profanity going on there, but it's pretty classic if you know the movie. Um, it was actually Tarantino's wallet when he first met Samuel L. Jackson and was like, that needs to be in the movie. That's really funny.
3: You know what sucks? We were doing movie trivia the other night, Ellie, and your dad showed me that wallet and he asked me what movie was that from and I couldn't figure it out because I'm a moron.
0: Yeah, my um my Christmas gift to my dad was the wallet and I got him a bunch of other like random movie stuff that we share. So I got him like socks from the Goonies and like a shirt from Almost Famous. Um And then another thing but I'm totally blanking on what it was. But yeah, it was like a movie themed gift.
2: So let's wrap it up with this. Favorite line from the movie, Ellie? I'll let you go first.
0: Oh God, uh, start. <laughs> I feel like it's got to be uh, the opening, the opening scene with Samuel Jackson and John Travolta, where the whole exchange, where he's like, "Does Marcellus Wallace look like a bitch?" <laughs> and then he's like, he's like, "Do you know what Marcellus Wallace looks like?" And the kid's like, "What?" And he goes. <laughs> do they speak English and what? It's just like, oh my god, it's so classic.
3: My With favorite Lawrence, line you- my favorite line's gotta be uh Mia Wallace's uh uncomfortable silence monologue. Oh
2: yeah. That was my favorite. I mean that's what we were all thinking, I feel like. I'm like, this is a really awkward conversation that they're having right now. Yeah.
0: yeah. There's so much tension between those two. It's like it's it's hard to watch.
2: My favorite was the wolf when he asks them to go clean the car, and John Travolta's just like, a, a please would be nice. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and he's like explaining to them how like time is uh, just like a huge virtue here because like uh, Jimmy's wife is gonna come home and like just go ape shit banana lands on them <laughs> if they don't clean up the car. So he's just like, pretty please, cherry on top, clean the fucking car, <laughs> and then he leaves. <laughs> it's awesome.
0: John Travolta shoots Marvin in the face, and he's like, "Oh my god, I shot Marvin in the face!" And um, Jules is like, "Why the fuck would you do that?" What were they talking about, though? God, they, they were
2: discussing something so of unimportance, like so irrelevant. It was just like a stupid conversation, oh, and he pointed the gun. Never no no
3: Even even before this, uh, like in that opening scene when they're when they're going up to the apartment and they're talking about whether or not giving a girl a foot massage
0: means oh anything. My god, yes. Oh my god, that's hilarious quentin tarantino is just the god of dialogue there's no one that does it better
3: yeah that's awesome man you're totally right about that uh
2: i guess for like fiction movies i was trying to say like scorsese did a great job with dicaprio and wolf of wall street but that's a true story you know they, they were getting fed information by jordan belford uh uh what was i gonna say Um, Oh, of course, you named it Royale with Cheese. We got to talk about Royale with Cheese, the back and forth between Sam and John Travolta at the beginning in the car. That's a classic. uh, I mean, we're over
3: the 15-minute mark, but I think it's fine. Rebels. Rebels. (laughs) Do you have a classic sign-off, then? I don't know if I have a classic sign-off, but I can do a sign-off.
2: I mean, Ellie mentioned Jim Carrey at the start, so what about, if I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. This
3: has been the first episode, Jack said it best. This has been the first episode of Ninth Street Podcast. We'll be back with you next week with Reservoir Dogs. This is Jack, Ellie, and Declan signing off.
2: The Notre Dame Michigan game the other uh, other week last weekend. Notre Dame Michigan game. Yeah. Oh, that it was unbelievable. I mean, uh, this day, this whole campus was just electric. There were so many people. I feel like it was definitely a well played game, and it definitely set the tone for our football team. Um, but I feel like this was a uh, winner. This was going to, like, make or break, like, how our season would look. So, definitely a good game. Um, electric atmosphere in the stadium, as always. That was just really cool. Yeah, so one thing about Grand Canyon, we don't have a football team. We have to go to Arizona State, and even those games aren't that exciting. Although they're 2-0, oh, they yeah. beat, uh, God, I forgot who they beat on Saturday, but it was an exciting game. Um, what are your expectations going into this, uh, spring season for Notre Dame? Uh, for myself? Okay, for um, yourself for and for the team. team. I think for our team, uh, goal is uh, to win a national championship. Uh, I feel like at this
1: level, if you're not competing for that, then there's no really, like, reason. There's no really other reason why you should be playing. Um, So for our team, our goals uh, are to try to make it to Omaha and ultimately win a national championship. Individually, I would say, uh, just to keep progressing and developing as a player, Um, I've definitely learned so many things my first two years here, and I feel like this year I'm put in a spot where um, I can be more of a leader on this team. I just want to set a good example and just play hard uh, without any regrets. Those are kind of just like my goals uh, individually, so yeah.
2: I briefly remember parts of your uh, testimony over the summer, because you were like one of the first that went, so it was like early June, but you were talking about how like at one point, I forget, like you either weren't going to go to Notre Dame or you were going to like quit baseball entirely. You don't have to, like, go into, like, the whole, like, personal, like, story about it, but you just, like, touch up on, like, what happened there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, this was, like, such a big turning point um, so early in my college career. Um, just after my freshman year, I came in as a freshman who thought I had it all figured out, um, thought I knew it all, and that kind of mindset early on uh, with our coaching staff uh, didn't allow me to grow in a lot of aspects of my life, and, Ultimately, because of my stubborn and arrogant attitude, um, it led to um, very unhealthy relationships with my teammates and my coaches, which ultimately made my baseball experience my freshman year um, that much more unenjoyable. Um, which just led to, which led me to just hate every other aspect of my life here at Notre Dame my freshman year. Um, Everything that happened throughout the year just kind of led me to a decision I didn't think I was going to make, and that was to just quit baseball at Notre Dame. And I didn't even know uh, whether I would return to Notre Dame for school. The last thing I kind of wanted from Notre Dame was to just never step foot on this campus again, and that was just kind of where I was. Um, at the end of my
2: freshman year okay so you talked about your personal expectations for the season what are your personal expectations for your like entire baseball career at this point Do you want to go pro would you say that you're going to wrap it up after college what's your uh
1: my goal and a dream that I've always had growing up is to one day uh make it to the major leagues um I feel like if if that's not your goal ultimately as a baseball player then um just like winning a national championship, then I don't think any other thing will really drive you. Um, So for me, uh, being a junior this year, obviously I'm draft eligible. Um, I'd be lying if I I said um, I'm not thinking about the draft because I know very well that if I do have a good year um, and God has plans for me after college baseball, that that can definitely become a reality. But for me, all I'm worrying about is just being the best team player I can and just playing hard and whatever happens in terms of draft or baseball, after college, I'm just going to leave that
2: up to God. Every pregame over the summer, I basically had to write down information about all you guys, just to have something to talk about, since I was the only one there. Um, and on your profile page on the website, it said that one of your future goals would be an MLB GM or MLB player agent. Is that the case? Yeah,
1: it is.
2: Would that be your backup plan, or is that your plan after playing in the pros? Yeah.
1: I'm studying business here at Notre Dame and uh, something that I've always wanted to do after my playing days are over um, because for most of us, um, we're, we're lucky to even play after college. So my backup plan has always been to hopefully do something in the business world and stay in the game, baseball, and to two kind of jobs that really interest me. I feel like I, I could do a pretty good job at is working in, like, a front office or um, being, like, an agent to uh, players yeah, that's an awesome goal to have.
2: So th- I basically always ask people this question. What were your thoughts on the summer with the SoCal Catch and the California Collegiate League? Um,
1: man, I – this past summer was going to be one of the best summers of my life. Uh, everything that uh, – one of our team chaplain, Kevin Martial, uh, the first day we met, he was like, everything that you think this team is going to be about, like – just kind of flush that down the toilet because God's going like, to give you an experience that you didn't expect and I feel like that's exactly what I got this summer um, just an unbelievable experience of growth um, as a Christian just being able to meet so many big guys, bond with awesome coaches and just play baseball in Southern California
2: um, there was nothing really much you could nothing much you could like ask for So with that being said, what was your favorite and or most memorable moment of the summer?
1: Um, I would say my favorite moment for sure was when we, um, sure, I'm already blanking, but when, I think it was when we, uh, when we went up to slow and we just had so many problems with our bus. Also, I would say the slow trip and the Giltford trip, just those two road trips where we had a lot of things going against us. Um, we didn't really play the best, um but it was just a really good time to just bond with the other guys and just grow uh, in
2: a lot of ways with them. Yeah, I mean, I remember that uh, slow trip. I was in that back corner when the two wheels fell off and just completely totaled that car on the other side of the freeway. I was sitting right next to Neil. We're like, what the hell just happened? That's obviously, like, the most memorable moment I had there. And again, with, like, the Healdsburg trip, we were supposed to leave at, like, 4.45 in the morning and didn't end up leaving like until, like, 12 hours later. So we definitely had a lot of yeah. obstacles over the summer, especially for you guys. Basically, all we did was watch. Yeah. Um, favorite teammate over the summer? I know that's a hard one. That is a hard one. Uh, there's
1: just so many guys that I feel like I've been able to grow close to and I'll continue to keep in touch with as much as possible. I would say my favorite teammate, Mickey, Miguel Abascal. He, he, from the first day, um, like... He just decided to be throwing partners, and uh, for the whole summer, we threw and was able to uh, just get to know each other a lot more, um, grow spiritually, um, help each other baseball-wise. Um, I feel like I was able
2: to just meet, like, like a good brother in Christ, and just a good friend overall. Yeah, I definitely like Miggy, Self-proclaimed uh, nicest player on the team. That was his nickname. Yeah. Um, yeah. You said you were a big Dodger fan. Let's talk Dodger baseball. Yasiel Puig, four home runs in a 24-hour span the last two days. They won yesterday 17-4. to I didn't see today's game, but how are you feeling about your Dodgers?
1: Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. Um, these last, like, 15 or so games, uh, the bats are coming hot, and uh, I'm just hoping that they can win the division and just make another run because last year was just, just gut-wrenching um, to watch them, but also really fun. i so just hoping that, we
2: can make another run this year. Yeah, I remember, I'm a big Yankee fan, lost to the Astros in Game 7 of the ALCS last year, and my roommate's a Dodger fan, and I wouldn't, I don't think I said a word that night, they lost, he's just laughing at me the entire time, I'm like, I'm like, I hope the Dodgers go to Game 7 with the Astros, and we'll see how you feel, he's like, don't wish that upon me, man, and then they did, and then they lost, so, um, so <laughs> Here's a here's a question for you. Just to end on like a good note. Here, your grandfather obviously came to all the games over the summer. Was always bragging about you. Very proud grandfather. How would you say your family has impacted your life and as well as your baseball career?
1: Oh wow, um, my family has just meant like so much. Um, I honestly, without them, like I don't think I would be um, who I am or where I'm at today. There's just so many people in my family uh, that I can credit my success to my dad just when we first started playing baseball just not knowing anything just him willing to I graduated high school, they, they they provided so many rides when my parents were busy, and um, was able to take me to different games and other opportunities to develop myself. Um,